0: If you want legendary service, if you you want sweeter sweeter discounts, discounts. save by bundling auto and home with insurance.
1: Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative Dave, I read you. Starship in interception range is the Enterprise. Ready or not, she launches it to a power.
0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to a new episode of the All Things Dave Podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. I'm here with my buddy Andy, and today we're gonna talk about our favorite kills from Michael Myers. What's up, Andy?
1: What's up, Dave?
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Michael Myers your favorite boogeyman?
1: Yeah, I think it's safe to say that he is my favorite.
0: Okay, well, that's why you're on this episode, man. Uh, anybody who's been listening for a while knows that, you know, I've covered top five Kills from Ghostface, and I've did top five kills from Jason Voorhees. It was only a matter of time before I stumbled upon Sir Michael Myers.
1: You gotta talk about Michael Myers when you're talking about kills. I mean, he's he probably has. Well, I probably Jason probably has the most kills out of the the big three. You know, like Freddy, Jason, Michael. But I think Michael's you know right up right there behind him probably. Yeah, if they keep making Halloween
0: movies, he's gonna beat Jason.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Of course, you know, they talked about that new Peacock show coming out where there's a Crystal Lake. So if we get our Jason back after, what, a decade, then he can ramp those kills back up. But, man, I know that it's really hard to pick, like, a favorite horror franchise. Halloween's just so near and dear to a lot of our hearts, especially in our age bracket. We all grew up with the original um, timeline, I guess it's safe to say. But the one thing I noticed about going through and kind of studying Michael Myers' kills where you have someone like Jason Voorhees who's definitely extremely creative, right? And then you have like Freddy Cougar who definitely does a lot of cat and mouse and kind of toys with his victims. When you're looking at the kills of Michael Myers, I don't know if it felt like this to you, but I was just like, you know, sometimes he he does do a couple of little oddball things, but for the most part, he just kind of goes for the gitter, man. Like he just, he doesn't waste time.
1: Yeah, it's interesting I feel like, especially in the first movie, Halloween 1978, Michael Myers does kind of kind of play around with his victims a little bit, you know? Yeah. As we'll talk about here in a little bit, but well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I yeah.
0: wonder if that's because in the original Halloween, he was still perceived as just a stranger, you know what I mean? Stranger danger in its finest. He wasn't a supernatural killer, so maybe that was just his human instinct, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Andy, I know the trickster that you are. I know you hide under bed sheets and scare people. So it's only natural, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, you know, that it, it could get me sleeping on the couch sometimes. So you know, I gotta, I gotta keep it in check.
0: <laughs> oh, I understand that, man. If your couch is uncomfortable as mine, you do not want that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Andy, before we dive into this five, I'm gonna let you know we can have one honorable mention. I know. When you talk about some of these favorite things, you feel like you can have, you know, 10 to 20 honorable mentions. But in this podcast, I'm really going to get tight on this and say only one honorable mention. So you're the guest. Let's kick start with you. Tell me what Michael Myers Kill almost makes your top five.
1: All right. The one that I just had that didn't make my top five, but I just had to mention it was in Halloween H2O. Now, it's not my favorite movie by a long shot of the franchise, but in the very beginning, there we were introduced to a character named Jimmy, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and uh, you know he was kind of taunting Michael Myers with his hockey stick, you know, and and you know a little a few scenes later we see that Jimmy gets a skate to the face.
0: Yeah. And
1: to me, this was a great kill. You know, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt; he's a great actor. Uh, I wish that he would have actually been like a regular character, like a Bigger character through the rest, and then maybe got killed towards the end of the movie. Now, I might actually like this movie, but, um, but you know, it was cool to have him in the beginning anyway. We, you know, at least we got him for like 10 minutes.
0: Oh, yeah, because at this time frame, this was the late 90s, man. He was high in demand, you know, he, I I like to think that he got even more popular as the 2000s rose, but man, he was coming off of Third Rock from the Sun, so it was really cool just to see him in this movie, and I love that it's your honorable pick. It didn't make my list, but it definitely crossed my mind, because, you know, we all love Happy Gilmore, and he says in that movie, Adam Sandler says he's the only guy who ever took off his skate and threatened to stab somebody, but we see what that actually looks like, because Michael Myers didn't just threaten, he actually did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of laughing on the inside because when you're like, my honorable mention's from H2O, and I'm like, you don't even like that movie. But (laughs) I think, you know, a lot of people know who've heard us before, you rant kind of on why you definitely don't like that movie. But yeah, man, um, good honorable mention. I can see why it doesn't make your five. But uh, let me tell you about my honorable mention because my honorable mention's from a great Halloween movie. It's Halloween Curse of Michael Myers but this is the death of all the surgeons, okay? I'm talking about the brutal massacre in the Smith's Grove operating room that's highlighted by a strobe light effect, and this one almost makes my list, but because of the way that it's like a mass murder and it's a quick scene, I let it just be something we talk about. What's with the knife that Michael Myers uses? Because it has got to be the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in an operating room.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like... He already had a a knife, but he stopped by the little knife rack or whatever, the knife tray, and he picked up a bigger one.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> did he get this thing from Jason Voorhees or what?
1: Yeah, it did kind of look like a machete. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that scene is awesome. I, yeah, definitely got you got to mention that scene. Because I, I remember, you know, when I first saw this movie, that just scene just rocked my world. I was like, dang, this is cool. Like, he just, because the... Uh, you know the doctors and stuff they were all in this like cult of thorn thing and uh and so and they thought that they could control michael myers but it's cool to see him turn the tables on them and
0: yeah man you can't and, tame the beast no and andy you know we should mention there's two different versions of this film you got the theatrical version which I know Andy absolutely loves and I absolutely love it too. And then you have the producer's cut and you know I've kind of been back and forth over which version I like better. The thing is is the theatrical version is a much better made movie even with the plot holes, but then the plot holes are solved in the producer's cut, but the problem with the producer's cut is it's neutered. Like, it's not a made-for-TV movie, but it kind of feels like it, and one of the things you lose is that surgeon death scene, so you got to go with the theoretical version just for how great and gory that movie is. But yep, Honorable mention, Man is the death of all the surgeons. Cool. All right, man, let's dive into your number five. My number five is uh, also
1: from Curse of Michael Myers and uh, Halloween 6 and it is the death of Jamie Lloyd um, and this is kind of a controversial death anyway because I think a lot of Halloween fans felt like she did not get the end that she deserved she was kind of just kind of tossed to the side at the, at the beginning of the movie um, but you know and I kind of agree with that but I just think that this is such a brutal kind of crazy kill you know for michael myers uh just like her you know that's i'm talking about the theatrical version not the the producer's cut where she just gets shot off screen no this is the theatrical version where she gets impaled on these like some kind of farm equipment that's got these blades i don't know what it is and uh, then michael myers flips this lever and it just starts like cutting her up it's just like oh man this is crazy um so, yeah, that's going to be my number five.
0: That's an awesome pick, man. I'm so happy it's on your list. There's something about this movie that's so great, and these kills in this movie are so brutal. And this one is definitely no exception. Like, I know what you're saying, and I completely understand why it kind of sucks to have that character disregarded because we spent so much time with her in part four and part five. I think if they could have locked in Danielle Harris, that probably wouldn't have been the case. that I could be totally wrong about that I would like to think I'm wrong about that but maybe she didn't do the movie because of money and maybe she didn't want to get killed off in the beginning but some part of me likes when we tie up loose ends so I was kind of okay with that character getting killed off and if you're going to kill off a loved character why not do it in fashion this is just a glorious and, and gory kill man so good pick my number five goes to the original 1978 Halloween, I'm talking about the murder of Judith Myers. Okay, listen, dude. Like, this is such an impactful way to start a film. I love the Jallo feel. I love the POV camera shot. This kill, this whole scene, it's artistic, but it's also just plain and simple. And to top it off with the reveal that Michael is only a six year old boy, to me, you have one of the most memorable, like, kills. And openings in horror movie history so uh yeah my number five man murder of judith myers what do you think yeah man it's the one that started
1: it all i mean this is uh yes yeah, this is a great this is a great scene uh, you know a series of shots i mean you get the tour of the myers house in pov style and like you said it looks like it, it has that feel of the giallo movie and uh yeah it's just really creepy just seeing this person like stalking through this house and um there's just it's just a great build-up to the to the when we finally get the kill and you know yeah it's it's the original kill that kind of started him down his dark path and um you know i think the 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 scene itself where like he's stabbing his sister it's it's interesting because he's like it's almost like he's not in control of his own actions because he's like as he's doing it he's like looking at his hand and seeing the knife like stab you know stuff i thought that was kind of cool and he looks back at his sister while he's stabbing her but uh yeah man great scene great pick.
0: yeah thanks man i love that too because i felt the same way i don't know what it is man i guess maybe six-year-old boys just dream of killing their sisters when they're topless but man (laughs) he like starts stabbing her while she's sitting there doing her hair and you know she's sitting at the desk she's got the little mirror in front of her and she's like michael and he just starts stabbing her the scene cuts in the music it's real creepy and he looks at his hand almost like he's fascinated with what he's doing like it could be exactly like you say where he can't control it or the fact that he's realizing like oh this is totally my gig but either way he's still and he stabs her to death and she falls down and there's just blood all over her chest and everything and if you don't know anything about this movie kind of like you know all of us when we watched it for the very first time we're like oh like this is how you're gonna start I just think it's, it's a hell of a way to kick off that film oh yeah Cool, man. What you got for number four? All right, number
1: four. So this is... Uh, it's funny, this is number four. This is going to Halloween four. <laughs> um, and you were introduced to a delightful young lady named Kelly. She's a sheriff m- Sheriff maker's daughter. And, uh, she, you know, she loves to wear those oversized T-shirts that say, got cops do it by the book. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, her death is uh, really kind of crazy, really kind of inventive. Uh, because, you know, when you see... Uh, Michael Myers with a shotgun. You're like, oh, is he just gonna shoot her? No, he doesn't shoot her. He s- literally like stabs her into a wall with the shotgun. Like st- he impales her on the the barrel of the shotgun and stabs her into the wall. Oh, that was pretty cool.
0: It's so unique, right? Because you think clearly he's gonna blow her head off or something, and the fact that he hangs her on the wall like a moose head, it's it's so satisfying.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and Kelly was a pretty pretty great crate pretty great character you know pretty memorable because she has some great one-liners like you know fuck off wade and uh
0: <laughs> hashtag fuck off wade
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> you know just like i don't know it's just oh, she, but she was a bitch so it was good to see the come well, yeah. you know sure yeah oh man yeah dude Halloween 4 is such a I know now it's loved but we talk about a lot of these movies and how sequels are underrated I feel like Halloween 4 really tried to capture a lot of the atmosphere that they did in part one
1: yeah I agree I mean especially with the scenes where Jamie was out trick-or-treating I thought they really did that really well because uh you know Michael Michael Myers is kind
0: of like stalking her and you know, it's just really creepy. I thought it's really cool that you know the movie is titled Halloween, and anybody can see that title and know what to expect, or at least they assume they do. And when you watch some of these Halloween movies, you really do get that vibe that oh, this definitely takes place and looks like the Halloween season. And I just love seeing that on the screen.
1: So yeah, man. Yeah,
0: Andy, I'm gonna tell you about my number four. We're going back. The Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, which was 1995. It's the murder of Beth. And I love this scene. So, Andy, we talk about kind of the way that we both love Curse of Michael Myers. I remember when I got this movie, like, I know I would seen it on USA and TNT and TBS. They always played it on basic cable. But when I got this VHS, I got it as a present, I think, at Christmas time, And I wore this sucker out, man. I used to – this is going to sound kind of lame, but when I was a teenager – I used to really like doing like the paint by numbers and then like the markers recolor, but I did like the poster size ones. Um, I can kind of draw, but I, I don't think I can draw super well. But I can color like a motherfucker. So <laughs> here we go. And I remember I would just constantly do these like art things and then watch this movie on loop. And I'm gonna tell you about this scene. This was kind of a hard choice between Tim or Beth's death, but I settled on Beth's death because of just how like unique and throwback it felt so I'll set the scene for you, right? Beth and Tim just finished having sex, and Tim lives in the Myers house, so you know this is a big no-no. Tim goes to take a shower. Beth gets on the phone. Tim gets killed in the bathroom. I won't go into too much detail about that in case it's on your list, but Michael Myers comes out of the bathroom, and Beth's on the phone, and she's talking to Kara, who's the final girl in this, and I don't know what it is and what, like, went through the director's mind to do this but I'm so glad it did because Michael Myers comes out and he like stabs Beth in the back several times and what I really like about this scene in particular is the way that they kind of tilt the camera Michael Myers is kind of stabbing her at this angle and for whatever reason it just makes it look and feel more violent and he does it so many times and if that isn't enough Beth's on the phone with Kara like I said but Kara's across the street and so not only does she hear this over the phone, she can see this happening from Tommy Doyle's window, and it just gives me like old school Alfred Hitchcock were window vibes. So uh I love this scene so much. What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely another memorable scene from that movie. Yeah, like you said, Kara is like watching it all from the 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 telescope through the window and she's she can see it happening, but she can't really do anything to stop it. And yeah, I mean it just really it's kind of it's one of those gut punches because you know Tim and and uh, his girlfriend, uh, they're you know pretty pretty likable characters. They kind of set them up as being pretty likable, so uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to see them uh, meet their demise.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I love Curse of Michael Myers. I don't have a problem with any of the casting. I feel like everybody did great, but there was just this certain like natural grace that the actress had who played Beth. That if Beth and Kara had traded places. I would have still been fine with the way it worked out. Like There was just a lot of good acting in this. And so, like you said, it's a memorable, it's powerful, because deep down, I kind of didn't want her to die. But when she does, I was like, that was kind of badass, not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. Yeah. Cool, man. We're diving into top three territory. What you got for number three?
1: All right, so my number three is we're going down to the therapy room. And, you know, the water, the water tank, the hot water tub. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to soak all of our troubles away with Nurse Karen. But, uh, no, you know, in Halloween 2, uh, we get this great scene with Bud and Karen. And, uh, you know, Bud's looking to, you know, score a little bit here in the hy- in the hydrotherapy room. And uh, him and Karen get in the tub, and it's nice and warm. But, you know, Michael Myers, you just got to be a cock blocker. And he, he comes in and turns the heat up and and anyway so it ends up you know with with karen you know being drowned in this scalding hot uh water tub and 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 this death is definitely interesting because it's you you know it's inspired by a giallo uh deep red yes and uh but yeah it's so it's so disturbing though i mean because she's like screaming through this thing and he just like keeps dunking her head in the scalding hot water and as as it's going you just see like her skin burning and stuff and it's just really it's gross it's scary it's just everything you want in a horror movie
0: it is and in fact it's so much what we want that my number three was also the murder of nurse karen so uh, we're on the (laughs) same page man um it's kind of funny because right like bud wants to get hot and heavy but then michael myers turns up the heat and then all of a sudden karen can't handle it you know (laughs) i guess he got a little too hot in there and that part bud's like it's just me (laughs) Bud's such a great asshole character in this movie, and I love Halloween too. And I'll just kind of mimic everything you said, but dude, you see Bud get killed off in the background, and Karen's like getting out of the tub. She thinks it's time to return to work, and her back is turned towards Michael Myers. He puts his hand on her shoulder, and she thinks it's Bud. So we know, like, we're getting to see this is not good. And she's kind of like kissing on his finger. I'm like, that's fucking gross. But Michael Myers. (laughs) He grabs her by the back of the hair and he dunks her, but he does it like several times. And every time he pulls her out, we can see that she gets like more burned and more scarred each time he does it. There's welts and there's blisters. And Andy, I think the biggest thing about most of the deaths is they're quick, but this one was so slow. Like this was not a fast death, and you feel really bad for Karen.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely one of those scenes that like puts that movie over the top. It just makes you it's iconic the scene is really iconic you know and um yeah there's something about it
0: yeah all i can say is anytime i get in a hot tub i get in there alone (laughs) (laughs) so cool man what you
1: got for number two all right my number two is we're going back to halloween 1978 and this is the death of linda um i think it's kind of interesting as we talked about uh michael myers kind of having a playfulness to his kills in the first movie um yeah you know, he puts on a he puts a sheet over his head with uh uh what's Linda's boyfriend's Bob? name Bob yeah she you know he has Bob's glasses on so he's holding the sheet up <laughs> and you know Linda thinks it's Bob playing a joke and you know it's and it's just funny because it's you know you you don't normally associate Michael Myers with humor, so it's just really cool to see you have this scene and where he's kind of playing a joke on Linda you know kind of a joke but just kind of more playing almost like cat and mouse with her, I think. And, and it does kind of get to her because she's, she starts to call Lori. And, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those scenes where, you know, Lori is able to hear her being killed, but can't really do anything about it. And well, at first she doesn't realize that there's actually a death happening. She thinks that it's just them making out and she's just kind of hearing their noises from, you know, having sex. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, a uh, it's a really effective scene. Um, I think, You know, as Linda's on the phone talking to Lori, we see Michael Myers walking up behind her. So that builds up the suspense really well. And then as he is strangling Linda with the phone cord, the sheet comes off and we see, you know, it's Michael Myers. And I think that's really cool. That's a really cool way to reveal that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, as you're explaining it, I wonder if the death of Beth in part six was kind of a throwback, too, because that was also over the phone. to like, yeah, so that's pretty cool. If so yeah yeah, man that's a great kill that's another one that's extremely memorable I mean almost anything from the original Halloween is going to be memorable but especially this scene because in a sense it's probably one of the most comedic scenes in the movie but also tied with something that's When people get killed with, like, the most bare minimum barbaric kind of way, sometimes that's, like, the scariest way it can be done, right? Like, if the scene gets set up to be way too creative, it almost gets unbelievable. Everybody can imagine what it would be like to be strangled. Like, I know, you know, growing up as kids, your parents are always warning you, don't do that, you could get hurt. You know, don't put bags over your head, don't wrap things around your neck, you know, all kinds of things. And something as simple as a phone cord, man, just takes Linda out and... It's just horrible that Lori has to hear it, but it was so cool it happened because, like you said, the reveal of Michael Myers. I love your pick. Andy, my number two is also from the original Halloween, but it's not Linda, it's the murder of Annie. Dude, okay. Here is another great sequence that's set up with what I feel like is the right amount of tension. So you have Andy, or Andy, you're Andy. You have Annie. <laughs> Annie walks Linda across the street, or Lindsay across the street, sorry, and, and drops Lindsay off with Lori because she's going to go pick up her boyfriend, Paul. So she goes to get in the car, but the car's locked. So she goes in the house, she gets the keys, she comes back and goes to get in the car, and she gets right in. And as viewers, we're like, Wait, that door was locked. Like, this isn't. Good, but she doesn't think nothing of it because she's about to score with Paul. She gets inside and the windshield's all fogged up. She kind of leans forward. She takes her hand. She wipes the windshield. Michael Myers sits up from the back seat. You're always supposed to check the fucking back seat, but he sits up and he grabs her by the throat and he starts choking her out. With it feels like a few minutes that he's choking her, and then he eventually takes a knife to her throat. But I feel like the way this scene is filmed is so creepy because we all got that fear of somebody could be hiding in your home or in your car and when he cuts her throat he finishes her off but she like goes face first towards the driver's side window and she slides down and she lands right there on the steering wheel causing the horn to go off and then when you hear the horn stop you know that michael myers has removed her from it and there's just something about this scene that just felt extremely tense to me what do you think about the murder of annie
1: Oh, yeah, like you said, I mean, it was a great buildup, great lead into this death because, or, you know, you, you, in the preceding scenes, you see Michael uh, outside her house, outside, uh, oh, the little Doyle's? girl's house. Yeah. The, oh. Or, uh, outside of the, uh, uh crap, you know, Lindsay? Lindsay's house. That's it. If
0: you're going to say her name, you have to say it like Annie does and go, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, it's funny. I've seen that movie a million times and it never like stood out to me and then the very first time i watched it with julie like she calls it out and now i can't get out of my head i'm like how many times does she do that in that movie Uh, uh, but it's great
1: yeah so you know there's a great build-up because you see michael myers stalking them or outside of the house and even while annie is doing laundry you see him outside of the little laundry room Uh, so you're just kind of waiting for it to happen you don't you don't really know when it's going to happen it's like okay because there's like he has a couple of opportunities to, to kill her, but he doesn't do it. He's, it's kind of like he's there, then he's gone, uh, which is really cool. You know, it kind of like uh, it kind of keeps us on our on our toes. And then, you know, when she goes to the car, I think, you know, with that kind of enclosed space there, it's like, OK, this this has got to be it here. You know, and, and of course it is. But yeah, I know it's, it's a great scene. I mean, every death in this movie is memorable, I think, just because there's only like. I don't know, three death scenes in this movie. So, but what they have, or four scenes, but what they have is like, is, is really great.
0: Oh, yeah, man. And this, you know, a lot of people know this already, but this established the blueprint for like other slashers. And a couple of movies before this were definitely in the running of doing it, but Halloween kind of perfected it. And from here on out, we always get that stalker killer thing. And it just works so well. And Michael Myers is the king of doing it. But, um, you know when you're crown king man that means you're number one and we got some number ones for people so andy let's get into it what is your favorite michael myers kill
1: oh i think people are going to be a little bit mad at me but that's okay i'm gonna so we're, we're going back to halloween six <laughs> uh the curse of michael myers and it's the death of john strode i knew it i knew it <laughs> oh yeah go ahead this guy he is such yeah such an asshole and I think everybody was just waiting for him to get his comeuppance. And when he finally did, it was so it was so glorious because it was like, you know, he got he was down in the basement. And Michael Myers like stabbed him and like picked him up with the knife and shoved him onto the the breaker box. And then his his head just explodes. And it's just like, oh man, wow, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, man, that, that's my number one.
0: Yeah, I knew that was going to be your number one, and that's the very reason I chose to not put it on my list. And I was going to be so – I told Julian she was going to be like, what if he doesn't? And I was like, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, but I just had a feeling, and, and you know, maybe we talked about it before, but since we both love this movie, that is the most gnarliest kill in the movie. And in a sense, it's kind of out of place because it's so extreme. But because you hate that guy so much, you want it to be extreme and – the way that that is shot looks so cool in the basement with the water flowing under his feet, and you hear the, you know, the washer and dryer going. And dude, when he gets pushed into that, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a utility breaker, and he's foaming from the mouth. Like you, you're like, that's crazy. And you think that's it, but dude, like when his head explodes, it just takes us back to how like gruesome and glorifying the '80s type kills were. And that's what you get in this scene. And I'm so happy it's your number one.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely harkens back to those 80s movies, so it's, it's so good.
0: It is, and I know they brought in special effects. I'll get his name wrong, but we always we know him. He's a legend. Is it is it John Carl Butcher or something like that? I'm really sure. Uh, f-
1: I think it's pronounced Beekler.
0: Beekler. Okay, I'm really sorry for mispronouncing it. I hope people don't get too mad. Um, But the guy is legendary. Um, You know, he directed Friday Thirteenth Part Seven, but he's been known for like his special effects for a long time. And this was some top notch shit, man. Like when John's head explodes, you're just like, damn, dude. And uh, you wouldn't have it any other way. So, good pick, my man. Good pick. I'm so glad it was there because, like I said, I was really hoping that was your choice. I'm going to tell you about my number one, Andy. It's from my favorite Halloween movie. It's Halloween 2, 1981, and it's the murder of Nurse Janet. Okay. It was kind of hard to not have all five of my kills from Halloween 2. Because Halloween 2 is much different from Part 1. Halloween 2 would not be as amazing as it is without what Halloween Part 1 establishes. But as I've always said... Halloween one and two go together for the perfect horror experience, and where the first one, like you said, only has a couple of kills, that's not the case for Halloween two. Halloween two goes straight slasher because of the success of Friday Thirteenth from uh, early eighties. So, uh, but I decided to you know change it up a little bit and include uh, kills from multiple Halloween movies. But one thing that was never going to change was my number one pick. In this scene, we have Nurse Janet, and she goes into Dr. Mixter's office. She's trying to find him. She looks in the shower, and he's sitting over at his desk, but the chair's turned around. So she doesn't notice he's there at first. When she finally realizes he's sitting there, but he's not answering her, something's wrong. So she reaches over, she spins him around. He's in his chair, but he's dead. And so she's startled, and she's slowly backing up. And this room is completely dark the only light we have comes from a nearby fish tank and this little like dim desk lamp and as she slowly backs up we get a scene that's much like from part one where michael kind of pops up out of the darkness and his face his mask is like slowly lit up by that orange kind of yellow tone of the lamp And it is so cool because in true boogeyman fashion, he's waiting for her. She backs up right into him. He grabs her and then he takes a syringe and stabs it into her right temple and even injects the air into her brain. And so the way that this scene is shot and the way that his mask is like slowly revealed in the darkness, in combination with my queasiness for medical horror, um, it was a no brainer that this was my number one pick and Andy, I also want to say a fun fact here. The actress who plays Nurse Janet, her name is Anna Alicia. She got her bachelor's degree in drama from the University of Texas, and since I'm a Texas native, I find that pretty cool.
1: Oh yeah, that's nice. That's cool, man.
0: But man, uh, tell me about this kill. I know you you gotta love it.
1: Oh yeah, man. This is like one of those. This is like one of the best ones from the movie for sure. I mean, just with the uh, like you said, the whole. Like set up it's like she's she's there in the office, and she's trying to talk to doctor mixture and he's in that chair and it just kind of she i think she like nudges him and it the, the chair spins around and yep and yeah just just the the fact that you know as she's you know you just see the like you see you see the mask light up behind her It's like oh man that that's like perfect lighting in a horror movie I don't know like who did that, but they deserve like an oscar for for lighting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it, and it it kind of reminds me of that scene in the original where Laurie is in the hallway. Yeah, and his face and, is uh, lit up
0: with that blue light.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a cool callback to the original. Uh even though it was a different director, uh Rick Rosenthal, he did a great job, you know, setting up this shot. And uh yeah, man, it's actually such a, such a uh Oh, it's such a uh, chilling way to die. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would be painful or what, but it just it looks like it would hurt. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. And it's so weird too, because I'm like covered head to toe in tattoos, so like the needle thing doesn't typically bother me. But something about medical horror, um, and that just the realization of separating like film from reality. Like I could never watch those TV shows like ER and stuff. Like that. it's just gross to me. Uh, I could see people get decapitated in movies and all that stuff all the time. Like it's cool, whatever. I draw that fine line, but. Something about that medical side really makes it just kind of, I don't know, and when he pulls out that syringe, I was like, motherfucker, and he stabs her, and then he's a, he just has to go ahead and inject the air into her brain. I mean, I'm sure it was a quick death, but it was done with so much pizzazz, man, and, and like you said, the way that the boogeyman creeps out of the darkness, it just makes the scene so awesome. It makes it my number one without a shout of a doubt, and uh, I think the hospital is like one of the scariest places you can have a horror movie.
1: Oh, yeah that especially the hospital it was like
0: <laughs> there's nobody there,
1: <laughs> yeah, it seemed like there's nobody there. The lighting was really bad, and um yeah it was it was just uh, it was a really a really cool location to have a uh, horror movie because it was just huge I mean there's just so many places uh that where they could have scenes and stuff and um
0: well, Andy, I know yeah. that like the original idea was to film this movie in, like, a condo, you know, like a hotel or something, and, you know, what would that look like? I would like to see, but I'm really glad they decided to kind of continue off of the original the way they did and set it up at the Smith Grove uh, Hospital. It's so freaking awesome, dude, and, you know, the thing, I also, I think that stands out to me about the murder of Nurse Janet is she was such a good person. Like, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but, like, Karen was, like, late to work. She was having sex on the clock. She was ignoring the infants that she was supposed to be watching. Like, she was breaking all those horror trope rules. So it's no surprise that she gets killed, Bud gets killed. But Nurse Janet, like, she did nothing wrong in this movie. She was probably the youngest of all the nurses. And there's the scenes with her and Mr. Garrett where they're, like, you know, the cameras are going out, the phones are going out, the lights are going out. And so she's kind of drugged through this movie. And then when she finally gets killed, it's just in one of the worst ways. Um, but that's what also makes it stand out to be my favorite. So there you go. But man. So I wonder what people are going to think that none of our favorite kills came from anything past part seven. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, I, I thought about potentially some of the kills from the newer franchise deep in my heart. That franchise ain't for me, even though I do appreciate where it goes at some points and it, I even considered talking about the like Halloween kill scene in the beginning, where Michael Myers kills all those firemen in the most grotesque way, like the buzzsaw or whatever you call it. Like some of those scenes were pretty gnarly, but dude, you know, for me, Halloween one through six all day. You know?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And and uh, a top five like this is so hard to make sometimes because there's there's a lot of things that we could have put on. Like there's there's a lot of kills I could other kills I could have mentioned really that I had to knock off the list so yeah it's it's really hard to it's really hard but yeah when it comes to like narrowing it down to like five they got to come from those original movies
0: how many times if at all did you have to rework your list
1: i didn't really have to rework it i just uh put it down and there it was
0: man and that's funny because i'm exactly the same way I told Julie, like, when I made my list, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to touch it. Like, I'm very happy with it. And going through this podcast with you, I'm still very happy with it. So I hope listeners are too, man. But. Hey, Andy, let's talk about you for a second, my man. People know you if they've listened to the podcast before because uh, you're my go-to man for the horror genre. You and I are doing all kinds of cool things here. We recently did House of the Devil, which I've heard a lot of great things about. People really enjoyed that episode, especially me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're the host of the World of Horror podcast, and uh, you do some stuff over there too, so tell us about it.
1: Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, I it's basically like a solo show. Dave will hop on here and there, but, yeah, I just pick a – a horror movie, and talk about each episode. And uh, I'm going through uh, some forgotten horror movies, uh, movies that I feel like uh, don't get deserve don't get enough attention, and maybe deserve a little bit more attention. Um, and you know, a lot of these movies are from the uh, those Mill Creek, those 50 pack movies. That yeah, you know, there's a lot of like B movies in there, grindhouse type stuff. Uh, but I'm just go I'm just having a blast going through the, my collection and. And just picking out a movie to focus on each episode. And uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully I'm going to have the next one up here soon.
0: Awesome, man. And off top of your head, do you remember what movie that is that you're covering?
1: Yeah, so it's it's a movie called The Demons of Ludlow. It's a movie from like the 80s or movie from the 80s.
0: Cool. Well, I'll be on the lookout for that, my man. So thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast and talk about your favorite Michael Myers kills. And... Let's just say, let's do it again sometime. Let's. you have it top five Michael Myers kills from the Halloween franchise what'd you guys think man I know every horror fan out there loves them some Michael Myers and I hope nobody's too pissed that we didn't have any kills past h2o but I am interested to know what some of y'all's favorite kills are so let me know you know you can find me on Twitter at Dave underscore phantom and I got the Facebook page the all things Dave. That's all it's called. (laughs) All things tape on Facebook. But, uh, oh, man, you know, it's so fun to go through these horror movies and, and relive the ones that are near and dear to your heart. And kind of like the reason you fell into horror, right? What makes you the horror fan is the perfectly filmed kill scene, the vibe that it gives you, you know, the lighting, the music, the tone, the awesomeness to it, right? Or am I saying that all horror fans are killers? Of course not maybe on the inside, but I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not gonna diagnose you as such. But I know for me you let the movies do the killing and man, you just you're at peace. you know you have a, a shitty day. sometimes you just want to come home, throw on Halloween, you know or Halloween two or four or six or I don't know whichever one's your favorite. and you just kind of zone in, you know and for an hour and a half, nothing else matters. And that's where I'm at when it comes to watching the original part one and two, which is why the kills were so heavy on my list. And I love part six. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't had a chance, check out the House of the Devil episode. That's the first deep dive that Andy and I did. It's a little longer, but man, we covered it in detail. It's beat for beat, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And so this episode that we did today is just something kind of like in between because we have already chosen the next movie we're doing we're prepping for it and so that'll come out in the beginning time frame of february so stay tuned for that but thank you guys for checking out this episode of the all things dave podcast and you have a wonderful day
1: It's the greatest story in sports.
0: Start dropping straight back, hit he throws, has the ball, and it's
1: good I'm Doug Russell, and this is Tales from 1265, an insider's look at football's most storied franchise. A franchise that has had its dynasties. This is the first Super Bowl trophy, and uh, it's something Green Bay can keep. We're going to have a, a new trophy each year.
0: And its rebirths. Every major football decision will be made by Ron Wolf.
1: I realize I'm a Green Bay Packer now. And- Maybe I can prove that I am worth the first-round pick next year, but just got to be patient.
0: But I was really impressed with the coaching staff,
1: with the whole organization, and with the direction the team is going. I think they, they have a total commitment to winning. Tales from 1265 is presented by Nicolay Law, your local award-winning injury lawyers. If you've been injured, get Nicolay. Wisconsin's winning team of lawyers that will get you back in the game. Tales from 1265 is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If you want legendary service, if you want, want sweeter, sweeter discounts, discounts try insurance. by bundling auto and home with insurance.